Welcome to the Freedom Fridays podcast with me, your host, Pete Clark, the Whispers Guy. Work seems to expand to the time that we give it. And I've been investing my time, occasionally on a Friday, to explore how we use our time, our energy, our attention, and the impact it has on our identity. I've been exploring over season one some of the mindset shifts in the handcuffs of I have to, to the freedom of I choose to. And I've shared some conversations, some tips, some tools about how you might want to invest your own time, your own energy, your own attention, how you might want to, if you choose to, make some changes to your identity, how you might have freedom from I have to and design a life around I choose to. If that's of interest to you, then this is the podcast for you. In season two, I'm going to be exploring some experts and asking them what freedom means for them and trying to help people work to live and not live to work. Trying to help people add life to their years and not just years to their life. So let's dive on in and here's season two. Welcome to this newest episode of Freedom Fridays. Um, I'm excited because I'm, I'm welcoming another guest that I haven't met. We've only just connected offline prior to this. And I'm going to welcome onto the, the program today a, a lady who's calling in from the west coast of the US. Um, she has a master's degree in, in counselling and is an author and is very much immersed in the field uh, that I'm involved in. So uh, please welcome Kristen Taylor. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Pete. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, likewise. And so Kristen, to kick us off, um, I start with the same question. The podcast's called Freedom Fridays, uh, and often you, both you and I work with people that are seeking freedom of some sort from some things to another. So I'm interested in the line of work that you do with your clients. What are they seeking freedom from? Oh, that's a great question. I think there are a lot of ways I could answer that. <laughs> but at its most fundamental, I believe, whether they're aware of it or not, people are seeking freedom from nervous system dysregulation. So okay. I think of the nervous system as the operating system mm -hmm. of our body. Mm -hmm. And we're often not conscious of how to be in relationship to it and how to regulate it, but it is at the foreground of how we think, what we feel, how we move, how we breathe or don't breathe well. And it can become the predominant element of our sense of who we are. If it is dysregulated, and I know that a lot of people walk around very dysregulated and perhaps it started in childhood, Mm. Um, but it's chronic state of dysregulation that leads to so much stress. And if I only had enough money, then I would feel free. If I only had enough time, I would feel free. But the work that I do is helping them to find if it's even moments of freedom, but it starts in the body, grounding in the body, regulating the nervous system. That's interesting on many levels, Kristen. I might just start with, um, I've never heard anyone describe freedom from <laughs> nervous system dysregulation. Mm -hmm. And as you spoke, I, I, I got a sense of, you know, how that might show up in, up in someone. Can you maybe just give us a couple of examples? Um, how does nervous system dysregulation show up in someone? You know, for yeah. perhaps our listeners who aren't, aren't immersed in this field, um, how, how might it show up? Yeah. The best way, I think, for me to describe this, it's not going to answer that question directly, but I will get there. So know that I've heard this. I encourage people to imagine a traffic light. And if they're just trying to, because what we're really talking about when I work with clients, what I'm really doing is helping to raise, elevate their own awareness of who they are, what state they're in. 
And so using the traffic light, I can say, okay, and I did not make this up, by the way, so I completely stole this, and I can't remember the name of the woman I stole it from, but I'm not the only one who's using this. If each color were a state of nervous system activation and each color had accompanying words to it, green would be when you are relaxed. You are present, you are connected to joy, you are connected to yourself. It's called in polyvagal theory land, it's called ventral vagal. It's nice. And if it had words, it would say, I am. Then I think about our lives and our worlds and all the things that we have to do. And I work with executives. And so they have a lot of responsibility and a lot of stress, but whether you're an executive or you're a stay-at-home parent or whatever you find yourself doing, there is a lot of pressure. And then you get into what is called sympathetic activation. Heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up. In that state, if it had words, it would say, I have to. I have to do this. I have to do this. So I think people can relate to that, that feeling of uh, getting out of bed and going, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. It's not that I get to, it's I have to. Green is I get to. Mm. Yellow is sympathetic activation. I have to. Then often when I'm working with people, they get to the place of they're bordering on burnout. They're not sleeping well. They're just continually stressed out, tons of anxiety overthinking, they're in what David Goleman calls an amygdala hijack. They're mm -hmm. in the most primitive part of their brain that is the emotion center, it's the fear center. Mm -hmm. And they're living there, a lot of cortisol, a lot of adrenaline. I've certainly lived there far longer than I wish that I had. And that is red. And if it had words, it would say, I can't. Mm -hmm. And in polyvagal land, it's called dorsal shutdown. It's when you get shut down. So often people, look like they're checked out and they look like maybe they seem fine on the surface but they're bordering into depression and illness and so so many of the people that I work with are saying things to me like I don't know if this is a life I want to live and maybe I'm wasting my life I'm not experiencing joy like I felt like this was something I have to do but I'm losing myself and so to be able to even have a simple tool like that, to start to register, like there are words for this, you are not alone, to recognize what it feels like in your body, the accompanying emotions, to have language helps the, the beginning of the journey to start to get back to the green I am and to feel regulated, to smile, to laugh, to connect. Um, as we chatted before Kristen um this might take longer <laughs> than a normal podcast there are so many things so many ways I could take this uh, let me I'm just going to go with the first thought I had um I'm fascinated by your experience around this starts in our body and the distinction I'm making is for your average Joe or Jess on the street when they have issues whatever they are mm -hmm. i think most of them would think it's in their head right sitting between their ears so mm -hmm. they go to a therapist a doctor a psych you know or you know they'd be addicted to something so they might go and go i need to get help i need to get help with what's going on in my head mm -hmm. the irony being of course your head is part of your body of course like dirt obviously but we <laughs> somehow make this distinction that it's not I think. And so I'm fascinated in your experience of everyone would accept at least intellectually, you know, mind and body, body and mind, same thing. But when we come to seek help, if we've got that awareness, my experience of me and some things I've gone down, down the road in earlier on and some clients and colleagues and family members is we go to get help about what's going on in our head. And we've inadvertently made this distinction already that that's not my body which just does not make sense when you lay it out in that sense. So I'm, I'm fascinated if you could touch a little bit on that, you know, the, the aspect of, to which it sits in our body and yet we seek help from our head. Yeah. You just pointed to 
the crux of where I show up. We can't outthink stress. And it is a big misconception if we think we can. There's so much around positive attitude, positive mindset, reframing, cognitive behavioral therapy, and they have their place and they're important. So I'm not denigrating them. We are the entirety, I would say, mind, body, and spirit, but we have sort of artificially separated them to our detriment. And so when they look at the communication channels, I say they meaning the neuroscientists, the communication channel between mind and body, brain and body of the spinal cord, nervous system, 80% goes from the body to the brain, 20% goes from the brain to the body. And yet we're up here saying, let me try to outthink this moment. Yeah. If I'm nervous, I'm going to remind myself I can do hard things. I'm going to remind myself that I'm good enough. I'm smart enough, all the affirmations. But if the body is saying there's a five alarm fire and you are not safe, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then people then think there's something wrong with me. I can't, why, why I must be disordered. Yeah, I can't fix myself. I've got to fix myself. I'm not strong enough. Yeah. Rather than understanding that is your nervous system and there are tools to begin to soothe it. One of the most obvious ones being just breath work. Right? Understanding the two branches of the nervous system, sympathetic, parasympathetic, and using the breath to engage parasympathetic to down-regulate so that we can get out of our amygdala, mm-hmm. our lizard brain of mm-hmm. like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, yep. and feel safe and calm so that the parts of our brains that are most evolved can get online. Mm-hmm. But I'm so grateful that you that you recognize that and are saying that. I, I think that's a real challenge for people because, you know, and I read something recently which... which some of this, what appears like a really small distinction for me, because I'm immersed in this and this is partly what I love, it's like such a huge distinction. So even just, for example, you saying, you know, green is I get to, whereas orange is I have to. For mm-hmm. me, that is a massive distinction that's so simple yet profound. Mm-hmm. I read something recently that um, we're seeking peace of mind when we should be seeking peace from mind which is such a simple but massive distinction yes that's so beautiful sorry i don't want to cut you off that is so like peace from mind i mean unpack that Mm. and there's so much there so much there and yet and again that i think often people would take it literally and go yeah but i've got to think uh, and I've got a brain for a reason, you know, blah, 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 blah. And post-rationalize the, maybe the lack of awareness that might be sitting there because it's all in my head. Yes. And I just want peace from that. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're making this beautiful distinction, which I'm, do, do you think, I'm interested in your view, do you think people get it as in they understand the brain-body-spirit connection spiritually do they get it intuitively but they might ignore it cognitively great question i think it depends mm-hmm. so it depends like on who i'm working with so i'll just think about the people i and you know you much like we were talking about before you started recording knowing your audience like who do you share what with when and why um that really connects to why they hired you, what they want to accomplish, who they are. Um, Some people I work with, it's an intuitive knowing. Mm -hmm. And I would say that intuitive, depending on who they are, but my belief, if it were separate from them, when they speak to intuition, to me, that's like a spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. And there is wisdom in the body. If you were like thinking about the chakras or energy work, like, There's a lot there that I know this much about when there's this much to know. Um, I worry when people, I don't worry. 
I note when people are locked in their head and they want yeah. to just continually try to understand it just cognitively. The work that I do around mindfulness and around nervous system regulation is I hope to support people to be embodied. And whether that's grounding exercises, I help with being in the moment, which is like everyone says, be in the moment, but this sustained moment by moment yeah. attention. Start with just feel your hand, close your eyes. And what does it feel like on the inside of your hand? really training the brain to connect with being in the body. And like when an emotion comes up, so green is I am, yellow is I have to. So let's say there in I am, when you feel I am, what does your heart feel like? What does your breath feel like? If you feel sympathetic activation, I have to, or you feel any number of emotions, sadness, nervousness, agitation, resentment, what have you. When it's with you, when it is present, where do you feel it in your body? And so what I'm trying to do is number one, take out judgment. There's no right or wrong, right? It's just an experience. Give it a name, feel it. What is the sensation? Is it pulsating? Is it dry? Is it hot? Is it, you know, crumbly, like prickly? What, it, you know, so it takes away judgment, helps with neutrality, helps with curiosity, and it opens up fields of data, right? I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I want them to start to recognize that this mind, body, spirit, it is just basically this perceptual field that we live in, mm open up and pay attention because it's communicating to you it's Does that uh, make sense to you yeah. i i'd forgotten the question as well Kristen. but i'm, I'm loving the, the the conversation because it reminds me so that i'll pick up on the last part then i've got a couple of questions it's it's one of the reasons i called my business 21 whispers mm. because i believe that life whispers to us but we yes. only tend to do something when it shouts now, the shout might be the 21 is an arbitrary number. It could be six or 472. It doesn't really matter. The 21st whisper could be, my wife's been telling me something for 20 years and I hear it from a person at the bus stop. It just happens to trigger me to go, oh. And I remember a really specific event years and years ago. It was prior to me even getting married. I was... I was in the UK, I was um, part of a pharmaceutical company going around rural England, trying to get them to stock up on pharmaceuticals. So I'd be having a conversation with the pharmacist and the, and the people working in the pharmacy. And I remember, because I used to bite my nails. Mm. And I've been told for years, you shouldn't bite your nails, Peter, it looks ugly, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I went, yeah, yeah, I'll stop, I'll stop, I'll stop. And I remember, I can play, take you back to the same store. It was one of the, the ladies behind the pharmacy desk who out of the blue said, oh, look at your nails. Stopped. From that moment onwards, I've never bitten my nails again. Okay, slow your roll. What happened there? What, what is, no how idea. do you make me? But that, 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 the, the connection I'm making is that happened to be a random, mysterious, magical 21st whisper. I'd, I'd heard all of the logic, I'd heard all of the rationale, and I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but this random person who made a random comment in a random way at a random place suddenly got me to stop. So hence, 21 Whispers is, I believe life is whispering to us all the time, but something has to happen for it to be the 21st to get us to do something. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions about that. <laughs> because what I think, um, because I agree with you 100%, and I think that's both poetic and just incredibly accurate. Mm. And it goes to what I'm saying about open up your proverbial ears and your mind, body, and spirit so that you can be receptive more quickly, that it doesn't take 21 or 473 or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Was there something, and you may not, this may be leading in a 
direction that's not helpful or really emphasizing what you're emphasizing. But in that moment, were you like, what state were you in? Like, do you remember what um, you were feeling or how that comment felt coming from her? Was there anything different about your ability to receive it differently? I, I, I wouldn't know. It was such a long time ago. Um, and my guess would be uh, it's somebody I'd never met and I will never meet again. Never. It was a random. Yeah. Inconsequential. Inconsequential. Yeah. Wasn't trying to impress. Wasn't trying to, you know, obviously I was in, I was probably in a, in a you know, client supplier sales scenario as yeah. we all are all of the time. So there was no rationality to why that person at that time but hen mm -hmm. hence the you sometimes never know when the 21st whisper happens because yeah. it might not come from your loved ones but they've been building all yeah. of the way and you've been ignoring 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 suddenly some random thing happened or oh, better shift better do something yeah and so i've had that experience many times uh, and so i you know see myself as <laughs> Not, not literally, but I guess philosophically, a bit of a whisperer that mm -hmm. if I'm working with a group and, and the irony is I will never know. Mm. But if I act, yeah. I, I go into it with a strong intention of being the next whisper for them. Mm. And only occasionally do you become, do you get the, the acknowledgement that it's been the 21st? Somebody will say, oh, Kristen, you've saved my, you've changed my life. And you go, well, thank you. Um, I haven't because it's been happening all the way up to this point. Right. But often, uh, and I, this was a real big change for me in the work I do. Um, part of my immaturity and ego needed to be the 21st whisper more often. And obviously, partly it pays the bills. <laughs> Um, I'm much more comfortable these days, not all the time, but more times of happening to be the second or the 17th or the 45th. And I'll never know. You'll never know. I'll never know. But going into uh -huh. it with a strong intention that I'm speaking to someone and I have no idea who it is. I have no idea who's going to hear this, but someone might. That's right. God, that's right. I was just, I was just saying that to someone. I was just saying that to someone. She was going to do something scary. And I said, you have no idea who might hear your words and it yeah. might have a difference. Yeah. It's just this morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do a, a weekly um, whispers log, which is, you know, a couple of paragraphs about some random stuff I'm thinking about or looking into. And I put a question and a quote in there. Um, on many occasions, I've no idea how this is going to be received but on many occasions i get the odd email back from a random person saying oh i needed to hear that today yes uh, and i don't know what that's about i don't even know if they know what that's about but, but there's something in that intentionality about putting things out there and, and being open so others can receive it yes the intentionality mm. Mm. and the way i think about that is let me be a voice or a vessel, because I believe sometimes it's not even from me. Like there's an interconnectedness that mm. I'm tapping into. Allow me to be open to that. Yeah. I had a friend that, you know, I haven't seen him in years. I mean, now it's harder to see people, but he messaged me and said, I wanted to tell you that two years ago today, you said something that changed my life. And I'm like, what, what did I say? Yeah. And he said it back to me. And I'm like, that sounds like something I would say. And I say things like that all the time, but for whatever reason, that day, that time, that message he needed to hear the 21st whisper. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I've become more open and relaxed about it being as almost as random as that. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. It reminds me too, when I have, when someone says something, I'm listening to a podcast or a conversation or reading, whatever I'm doing, and someone said something, it's that 21st whisper for me, like, oh yeah and then i expect when i share that like pearl mm -hmm. of wisdom everyone's gonna Everyone. they're like mm -hmm. anyway like, don't you get it? <laughs> yeah yeah not so much not, not so much yeah um can i ask a, a couple of practical questions um 
and again, like we all, I'm going to steal this with pride. You said that we can't outthink stress, which even in itself could be a turnaround for someone. What do you mean I can't outthink it? <laughs> okay, so what would you advise they do? And I know it's a, it depends, but if I came to you and said, look, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with, you know, my mental capacity or my mental health, you know, again, we know that physical health contributes to mental health, which sometimes gets forgotten. But what would you, could you help me? Is there two or three things you could suggest if I was trying to not outthink stress? How do I neutralize it? Yeah, yeah. So I think there's about three steps to this. Okay. I'd like it to be three steps. It might be yeah, four. Make it easy for you. Yeah. <laughs> on people to have takeaways. Okay, yeah. so the first thing is the the pause button, the fact that you in this hypothetical are saying I'm stressed, already that is interrupting the habit because you're saying this is what's happening. Mm. I am highly sensitive and sometimes that's a beautiful thing and often it's a point of very very much suffering in my life because I can get activated very easily. Right. And what I've come to say when I find myself sort of in a spiral or an activation, I have to, or, you know, I will just say it's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the, like pushing the pause button. When I like about that phrase, it's happening. It's not good or bad. There's no judgment. It's just, Oh, it's here. It's here. And mm -hmm. then give the stress a name. And I don't mean George or Frank, <laughs> but I mean, like that might work. <laughs> that might work but what I'm hoping people do is they increase their emotional vernacular so there's more nuance so they can say I'm feeling anxious or you know overwhelmed or trepidatious or whatever word that feels right just giving it a name they've done studies and there's a study out of UCLA it was called affect labeling that it goes a long way in emotional regulation right Number one, you recognize it's happening. I don't, this is not pleasant. It's happening and then you give it a name. I'm going to give you four steps, okay? Great, like a bonus step. <laughs> and then the next thing is to breathe. And when I say breathe, like I've had many episodes where I felt very upset and people say, breathe, breathe, breathe. And I'm like, that is the most unhelpful thing. <gasps> I'm breathing. Yeah, I'm hyperventilating right out loud. So often it's actually saying, start with the exhale because we are hyperventilating. And I'll explain, we've got two branches of the nervous system. One is sympathetic, that's upregulating. Heart rate goes up, <clears throat> blood pressure goes up. That's really helpful if you're about to give a presentation and you want a little bit more energy, you're about to you know, run in a race, you want some more energy. But so often when we're stressed, <laughs> excuse me, we're um, in sympathetic. Mm. The other side is parasympathetic, and that is rest and digest. That's when we are chilly, chill, and we feel good. And that's what we seek more often, but it is hard often to achieve when there is stress. Mm. And so when we inhale, we're activating sympathetic, we're upregulating. When we exhale, we're activating parasympathetic, we're downregulating. So one of my favorite breathing techniques is what's called ratio breathing. Mm -hmm. Ratio is that the inhale is shorter and the exhale is longer. So you're using your physiology to regulate your nervous system. You're using your breath to regulate this sensation of whatever the distress is. So like in through your nose for, and there's no magical number, it's tuning into what feels right to give your body the oxygen it needs mm -hmm. for a count of say four. And then out through pursed lips, like you're blowing through a straw because it slows it down. Okay. 8, 10, 12, 16, whatever feels right. And the magic number there is six. Do it okay. six times and you will feel a difference in your physiology. And then you're out of that limbic system, the amygdala, mm -hmm. and you can start to ask yourself questions. And this is step number four. Mm -hmm. So now your body is like, okay, we're good, we're good. But then the brain wants to go. And here's the question everyone asks. And I love the question why, but not in these moments. Why gets us right back into what's broken, what's wrong? How can I, am I going to drown or be overwhelmed in this moment? It's not helpful. The most important question to shift to is to say, what do I need? Mm -hmm. 
instead of why is this happening, it's what do I need? And already that can help people orient differently and care for themselves differently. Mm -hmm. Four steps. Can you just repeat the four steps for me, Kristen? I got one hit the pause button. I'm God, I wonder if I gave you five. One hit the pause <laughs> button. Yeah. <laughs> one name it. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, two name it, excuse me. One hit the pause yeah. button, two name it. Yeah. Three is breathe, ratio breathing. Yeah. And then four is instead of asking, why is this happening? Ask, what do I need? Okay. What do I need right now? Maybe I need to get up and walk around. Maybe I need a hug. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I need to splash cold water in my face. Maybe I need to ask a question. Yeah. I need reassurance. Yeah. I'm going to play skeptic for a second. Um, what if I follow the steps mm -hmm. and what I need is not available? Give an example of what you might need that would be Yeah, unavailable. so uh, really practical, you know, the classic, you know, I'm, I'm walking on stage to do a conference speech and mm -hmm. I'm... Um, I'm perspiring. I, I can feel my stomach in knots, and I've got this dialogue going. Pete, you, you, you're not ready. This is awful. This is awful. oh, hang on. Remember what Kristen said. So I hit pause. I name it, and again, I totally agree with you. Most people's emotional vocabulary goes nowhere near beyond good, bad, happy, sad. But I, I that's can starting name place. That's <laughs> a good starting place, right? I can name it. Um, I do ratio breathing, and then I ask myself the question: What do I need right now? And what if the answer, for example, is, I don't know. Or yeah. the answer is, well, I need this to be over. Or I need mm -hmm. to have more time prepared. You know, what if the answer to that question is, makes it even worse? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why you work with a coach. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so that's where it's teaching self-compassion. Mm -hmm. So when you're learning about self-compassion, that's also that moment-to-moment -moment awareness to say, in this moment, what do I need if I were going to add more nuance to this mm -hmm. to be kind and nurturing to myself? Because what we're seeking is regulation. Yep. And so I follow a woman. Um, she is a psychologist and a Buddhist practitioner. Her name mm -hmm. is Tara Brock. Yeah. And she, oh, yeah. Yeah, she teaches but it's an acronym called RAIN. And so it's recognizing, it's allowing. Mm -hmm. and, there, and I want to slow down around allowing. So much of our suffering comes from avoiding feeling. <gasps> I feel let's it. Dive in. Let's dive in. I, I'm, I'm going to be self-indulgent here, Kristen. I want to dive into that for a yeah. reason. I'll come back to you. So tell me yeah. what the I and the N is first. Okay, and then the I is investigate, and the yeah. N, which bring up rain, is nourish or nurture. I like right. nurture. Yeah, perfect. Mm -hmm. Lovely, I'll capture mm -hmm. that. So um, I'm fascinated about this allow, and the reason I'm fascinated is, uh, I can't remember, I've forgotten the chap's name. It was a book a while ago, and it, it doesn't really answer the question, but it got me into this distinction between trying to force something to happen or allowing something to happen. So this toggling between force and allow, uh, you, know, oh, you know, confession here. I've been very good in my life about making things happen. Very good. You know, hence, you know, I said to you prior, you know, one of the, which I've written about best and worst things that ever happened to me was my dad passed when I was 10. So, you know, again, it allowed me then to see if I put effort in, if I work hard, if I make it happen, if I do this, if I do that, some pretty good things can happen. Right. So it's very easy to get conditioned. And I, I don't mean by the, you know, violently force, but it's me. I can make it happen. I'm going to yeah, force sense of this agency. Yeah, yeah, I've got absolute 100% agency. To then balance that with allow. And you know, the distinction, the binary distinction I made was, well, that's 0% agency. That's, and I know it's not this, that's me giving up. That's me not controlling. That's me not caring. That's me not, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Intellectually, I know it's elegant and more relaxing and perhaps gives me what I need rather than what I want. You know, I know that the, the 
the rationality of it all. But how, and I'm, I'm asking for a friend, <laughs> I'm <probably> asking <laughs> for me, how do you navigate that tricky balance of, because there must be some situations, here's my rationale kicking in, for when making stuff happen by you is okay. There, there must be, right? And yet, if it's the only approach I've got, then I'm heaping bags of pressure and my shoulders become five miles wide, et cetera. So it's too much. How do you balance that force versus allow? Well, I think we're talking about different things here. Okay. So what I hear you talking about are situations, circumstances. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is emotion. And so in a moment okay. of regulation, Let's say you are feeling sad. Mm -hmm. Most of us, and this is really a Buddhist practice and belief. When emotion comes, most of us, it doesn't feel good. Mm. So we push it down or we push it away. Right? That's one thing. We avoid it. We repress it. We suppress it. The second thing is it becomes an organizing principle of who we are. Oh, I'm sad. There's something wrong with me. We, it's an over-identification, right? And so what I'm saying, because then I want to get back to what you're saying, because that's really important. It's just different. Yeah. What I'm saying is when we feel something and we go, no, pick up my phone, distract, call someone, go for a run. Those Oreos look good, whatever yeah. it is we're creating what's called amplification. Whatever mm -hmm. we persist. So that sadness isn't going anywhere. It's just kind of getting locked in the cells, locked in the body. Yeah. To come out sideways in one way or another, whether you end up, you know, snapping at your child, you know, swatting away the dog, flipping someone off in traffic, like mm -hmm. it's there. We're just not acknowledging and not letting it move through. And so that is the allow and rain It's saying, okay, sadness, I feel you. I'm going to acknowledge that you are presently mm -hmm. here within what mm -hmm. is called, and this is why working with a coach, working with a therapist, if this is all really new and you find yourself caught in a lot of hijacks emotionally or spirals emotionally, this is why it's nice to have this process facilitated mm -hmm. because it needs to be within your window of tolerance. If you have for 40 years, conditioned using your term yourself not to feel anything and suddenly you're like oh, i'm going to feel this it can be like and get flooded <laughs> and talk about getting dysregulated in your nervous system going yeah. into you know activation or shutdown so it's yeah. in doses that feel right but what i hear you saying with like okay so life just there threw me a curveball and i find i get most of my self-worth and i'm getting all of these accolades and reinforcement and financial reward and there's so much that says yes be an agent of change it's a beautiful thing but if it's done to you can't rest and the word instead of allow that i would use in that word is sometimes it's surrender when do you know when to surrender hmm. the self-awareness piece that's what we're talking about with nervous system regulation like what is in the driver's seat? Is it my nervous system that's in the driver's seat? Mm. If I can allow my body to be calm and I can say, what is in my highest good? If I am most connected to my wisdom, what is the right choice? Mm. Then in those moments, because your body is calm, you're connected to the you know, most evolved part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, and then you can have self-inquiry that connects with your values, connects with your desires not in the moment, but the big part of you, then you can say right now, it actually is really important not to come from like this egoic small place of scarcity and fear and competition, mm. but to say what's in my best interest is to let this one go. And I made it all sound so easy. It's so darn hard. <laughs> well, um, just pick up on a little point there. Again, we could go many places with that. It's in, uh, it's, it's, touched me because um i i've been into you know all of these things for example meditation for a while but only in the last three years really i've done it consistently 
One of the things that I, one of the people I listen to consistently is a Canadian lady called Sarah Blondin. And the most consistent meditative track that I listen to is learning to surrender. Mm. Now, what I had to do initially was absolve my attachment to the meaning of the word, which is to give up in the, as in that's a bad thing. I've never given up in my life. That's what's made me by not giving up. And so even just this distinction around the word surrender is actually, it's not necessarily giving up, it's letting go, yes. which, you know, is such a, an interesting distinction. And I've probably listened, you know, I'm just looking at my app. I think I'm on 367 days consecutively. It would have been <laughs> at least maybe a hundred listens to that same 10 minute podcast. Cause I feel mm. I need constant reminding Mm. of what i know to be true when i'm present yeah but we're so often forced or we we allow ourselves to get forced into past or future that it's so easy to forget that's right that's right i love that distinction of surrender is letting go and there's freedom in that there is yeah there is and although it can feel like if i'm doing something if i'm achieving something if i am you know manifesting something that is most meaningful but that's when you can get caught in the grips of you know your own tyranny your own egoic fear-based tyranny yeah the the distinction you made about the driver's seat that you're probably familiar with this um often the work i do with clients i at least introduce them to the concept of whether they are having thoughts or had by their thoughts. Mm. And this visual, which I think people get is, you know, is the thought, is the feeling, is the story, is it in the driver's seat or the passenger seat? Mm. Because in the passenger seat, that might be helpful. It might be informative. It might be there for a reason that you need it in three weeks time. Right. But right now, if it's in the driver's seat, you're kind of, succumbing to it you're being had by it okay that's wrong and stealing that that's so good (laughs) that is so good it also reminds me Deepak Chopra said um are you the thinker or are you the thoughts and that's more Mm. of a mindless thing Mm. because people will believe their thoughts yeah and they're had by thoughts that are actually not helpful in the moment yeah. And so do you have any, uh, look, I know it depends and any, any answer with regard to human beings, the answer is always, it depends um, <laughs> a little bit like your kind of four steps and the, the rain acronym, any tips on how to help someone from overthinking? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's all very, I fear that I will get redundant because it's all the practice of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So recognizing what I will often do when working with people is I'd show them a very short video on neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. Or we have a habit of thought, the more deeply grooved and strengthened that neuro pathway is. And so it can be very hard then to start thinking, doing, believing, practicing, whatever it is, to change, but to recognize that our brains are not fixed, that mm-hmm. there is that level of plasticity. And it is a practice, not a perfection to notice. Um, I was trained as what's called a um, a narrative therapist. And one of the tenets is looking for exceptions to problem saturated stories. So let's say the mm-hmm. identified problem is I overthink everything recognize the language always everything never right like well i bet there are moments where you have not yeah find those exceptions and the mindfulness practice is the noticing again are you the thinker or the thoughts to start to interrupt it and to support people in noticing when they're really caught in their head yeah. To be able to feel caught in your head right now. How do you know you're caught in your head? 
I mean, it's really meta. Like this is like it meta is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, I can imagine really someone weird. In, I can imagine someone in a stress state going because I am. Don't you dare ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But again, it's the self awareness. So, okay, when you're there, and because I am, don't ask. Like, let's talk about that traffic light. Where are you right now? Are you? I have to. Most likely they're in sympathetic activation and their brain has been a very reliable, thank God. And we don't want to disparage thinking like, thank you, thinking you have served me so well. It's not the yeah. bad guy, yeah. but you want to be able to back to the like mind, body, spirit, access to a greater perceptual field, recognize there are other parts of you that may have greater wisdom or provide greater relief or insight or whatever it is that freedom that you want to achieve. Mm. Let's wake them up too. Thank you, brain, and let's invite other parts of who you are to the party, which is so easy to say, but that goes back to the embodiment. And particularly people who've had trauma, mm -hmm. they may not even be connected to their body. So it's starting really, really small with just what's called interoception, which is the felt experience of living in the body. Like, what does it feel like when you swallow? What does it feel like inside your body? when your heart is beating, mm -hmm. what does it feel like when you're digesting your lunch, mm -hmm. right? Just the sense of being in your body, if for some reason being in their body has not been safe. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yes, it is, yes. And how do you, uh, it's not necessarily a how-to question, but I'm interested in, for someone that lacks, for whatever reason, awareness of their body, and they come to you, or I, or any, anyone that does this work, and you ask them a question like, how does it feel in your body when you swallow? How does it feel in your body when you digest your lunch? Um, if they've never even gone there, been asked any sort of questions like that, do you have to, and I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna choose my words carefully, but do you have to help them preventing from doing it cognitively? Because I could, I could, I could ask that, I could answer that question cognitively. Uh huh. But, but the irony is, you're not asking me a cognitive question. Yeah, yeah. That may be the inroad. I mean, I feel like it's really baby steps. Mm -hmm. So there could be practices, right? Mm -hmm. So it may be okay. So what I and this is what I will do with people. Um. I may ask them not even to use words, but I want you to close your eyes and I want you to swallow and just notice. There's no right or wrong, but just notice sensation. You will not need to report back to me with words, but just swallow. Now I want you to close your mouth and I want you to know the, notice the saliva in your mouth. Mm -hmm. It seems like, like you know, I'm paying you to tell me to feel a saliva in my mouth. It's so important. I know. And I'm just imagining, you know, as we do the, you know, the, the hardened, battle-weary corporate executive, you know, when you, because I've done this before as well, you know, in going through some processes with clients and, you know, here's what you're going to do about it. Nothing. And it freaks them out. It completely yes. freaks them out. Because hang on, nothing. I can't not do nothing. I've got to do something. So what, what do you want me to do, Pete? Well, nothing. I just want you to notice. I can't just notice. That's <laughs> pathetic. I'm, and you get all of this narrative coming out. Hopefully yes. it's expressed and I can help them. But if it's not expressed, they go away going, that's rubbish. You can't not yeah. do nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Exactly, exactly. And that is where a ton, this is where for me as a coach, if I'm working with a client who has that sort of constitution, background, belief system, that's where neuroscience helps me. Right. If I can make it sound fancy and scientific, then there's yeah. some legitimacy. Classic. <laughs> yeah. It's a classic, isn't it? You know, there's letters after my name. I'm wearing a white coat, so you might listen to me a bit more. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It exists both ways, but if I can use a big word like amygdala, yep. then... Well, well, Kristen must know what she's talking about. <laughs> exactly. I could be full of crap. But yeah, yeah it's getting the buy-in. 
and reaching them where they are. And it's also really normalizing. Mm-hmm. That's a big one to just normalize that they are not it's, alone. A, a, a little bit of a random thought here, Kristen. Um, and I'm, you can choose not to answer if, if, you, if you like, but I'm interested, and I'm going to get personal here. This, so this is probably more about me. To what extent do you believe or subscribe to the view that we're teaching what we most need to know? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that is me. So, so it's I just you and me that are screwed up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I don't, you know, I walk around teaching people everything that I've had to learn from my own healing. Right. Yeah, one hundred percent. And when I love being able to connect with people who can be honest enough to say that mm. I work with things because I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. I worked with imposterism because I've struggled with imposterism. I've worked with dysregulation because having a childhood where there was trauma and I'm highly sensitive, I've lived too many minutes, hours, weeks, months, years of my life, highly dysregulated. Mm. So it's what I feel like I'm here to do, what Um. I'm here to learn to share. And it's hard though, because it feeds the imposterism. Like I want to be like, I'm always chill, chill. Like, no, I'm not. I'm in the practice. I almost feel like kind of like the wounded. And I don't think I'm a healer, but using that archetype. Yeah. Right. And I've struggled with God. I mean, how much do I share with them that I know it Mm. as I experience it. And I find the more that I'm really real with, I'm in this practice with you. Mm -hmm. It's disarming. And people feel seen in a way that if it was just clinical for me and I'd already arrived and yeah, right. I'm continually working on this stuff. Yeah. Always. Um, yeah. So I'd love to hear you. I want to hear your story around that. Um, I've forgotten my train of thought there because well, this might lead into it. Um, and then this might be actually, in fact, in some ways, as I'm, pausing to reflect this probably is a little a lot of it i'm observing you know this post covid shadow to some degree but many many other circumstances where people are what's the right word um and this might not be the right word struggling or needing or clamoring for or hungry to be seen heard and held so if i turn that round in the work I do, yeah, I don't think I'm seen. I don't feel heard. Um, and it's not the physical held necessarily, but it's held in a space where it's okay to express and move. And almost every person I come across, so I'm maybe projecting this a bit, there is some sense their life is causing them not to be seen, heard, or held. Yes, I agree. I agree. But that, that to me, go ahead. I want to hear your question. Then I want to is tell that, you. Is that the human condition? I believe it's part of the human condition. Yeah. Mm. That's our lot. We'll just have to deal with that. <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's our lot. We have to deal with that. I think, number one, there's a sense of purpose and you're giving a gift. Mm -hmm. I do believe that by virtue of being human, we need and seek connection. We want to be seen, heard, and held. And I think that is just really essential to who we are. Mm -hmm. We are social creatures. And the world that we live in certainly doesn't support that. It's about competition. It's about have. It's about have not. It's about working in our homes in isolation. It's about scarcity. Mm. And this yearning, I think, is really quite beautiful because it connects us, in my estimation, to the most beautiful parts of us. It connects us to heart energy. Mm. It's it's the language of love. Mm. And you identify that you want more of that and have moments. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I imagine where there's loneliness or isolation or, and so you're giving that love and you are someone who is elevating the need for that love. Yeah. And I imagine it, well, tell me, what does it feed in you to give that to other people? 
Um, my, my thought went to um, unconditional acceptance. Mm. That, that's where it went. And, you know, for me, and again, here, this is not necessarily about me, but it could be informative. What I've had to, um, what I'm working on privately, and it's, it's a constant, is being open and, you know, self-compassionate to receive. I think that's one of the, my biggest challenges. I'm, I haven't been, been built to receive. So whether it's a compliment or love or a hug or compassion, it's almost like I deal with it intellectually as opposed to feel it in my body. And so that's, you know, if, if we are all on a journey and it's part of the human condition, that's part of my condition. It's, it's working to open up as whatever is necessary for me to receive the different ways in which love or acceptance is expressed towards me mm. that resonates more than you know <laughs> yes it's um, i'm working with my own coach and that is something we are working on that i am mm. working on mm. yes yes and so I just think there's a, something really magical and really essential in that that is what you are working on mm. and you are conscious of that. Mm -hmm. And yet you are in the line of work where you are giving it so yeah. effusely, so purposely. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Same with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to me, it's part of my healing to give it. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's the case for me. Um, mm -hmm. I know that as I've moved in, you know, immersed myself in this world, that it is lonely, and it's not necessarily lonely from a physical, uh, conversational, working with physical bodies, loneliness necessarily. It's the it's the loneliness in feeling constricted about how you are able to express without being held yeah. to account to that expression that you expressed yesterday, which might not be true today because you were just expressing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in our field of work often and professionally, we can't express and we shouldn't express necessarily because it's inappropriate professionally. It's boundaries, right? I get that. And yet not having an outlet where I can express random stuff. You know, because if I can't express it, I've got to hold it. Yeah. Uh, and it becomes heavy. <laughs> well, yeah, it becomes heavy. So um, in the last year, I'm, I'm now working with two coaches because I became sick from the lack of expression. Wow. Something called frozen shoulder. <laughs> Something called 50-year-old woman disease. But it got locked. <laughs> <laughs> it got locked and incredibly painful. Wow. And being me, yes, there's a physiological reason, but then no one can identify the cause. Why? And I started to really like, well, what does the shoulder represent? Okay. You know, sort of like holding the world on our shoulders. Yeah. And so many stories of people, both that I work with in yeah. my practice, my family, I told you I'm a caregiver for my mother. Yeah, there's just so much, and also the relationship with my mother I shared is not always easy. It's mm. almost like holding armor against hurtful words I might get, and my shoulder locked up. And it was only when I started expressing, like my therapist gave me the homework. There's a place in our town I haven't yet done it, yeah. but there's a place in our town where they have like old tvs and appliances and you basically put like a hazmat suit on they give you a baseball bat and you just go in there <laughs> <laughs> move uh, some of that energy yeah wow I'm holding so much but wow. not yeah releasing it yeah uh, krista have you heard of um a field i think it's called psychoneuroimmunology no but i feel like i am getting what that must be because that speaks to what i just said 
yeah, it's exactly that. And I, I, as far as, again, I haven't explored it in depth, but as far as my you know limited understanding of it, it's this idea that our body holds dis-ease. Mm-hmm. Right? That's and, you what know, I'm talking about. Right, that's exactly what you're talking about, that a lot of the diseases, illnesses, we are, it's an unexpressed emotion right. manifesting in a physical thing. And that's very hard. I, you know, I've been open to this for years and and that's hard for people to cognitively get yes. their heads around. Yes. Well, that gets also to the idea, and this is part of the conversation earlier that I was sharing, we were sharing, but my part was it, it was like, and I don't know if I even said this, but I thought it, we are energy. Mm. This brings us circle mind body and spirit Mm. and so working with this he's an intuitive healer he does energy work like um, visualizing movement and sending energy for movement if i'm feeling anger here it's like feel the anger here take the love move it here like and it sounds so esoteric it does and it is so esoteric because so outside of anything that we've been taught or that feels scientifically valid but the proof is in the pudding whether it's placebo which is super mm. powerful mm. in and of or actually working it was when I started doing these things that suddenly I could move my arm and I didn't have excruciating pain when I started emoting when I started crying when I started being seen then I felt relief my body healed yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that at all. But it almost sounds like a miracle, right? And we know that it's not a miracle. It's just as we started this whole conversation, it's just nervous system dysregulation. And I, I don't mean by saying it's just to negate and simplify it, because we know it's not clarify. That. Yeah. 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 Yes. Full circle. Wow. Mm-hmm. Kristen, that feels like a because I'm I'm sensing if we open up any more cans, <laughs> there'll be, there's there's two or three other things that I would like to explore, but I'm just going to be sensitive to time. So, um, what I often do is well, first of all, thank you for your time, and um, sure. where can people reach out or read some of the stuff you've done or get in touch with you? Yes, and so I want to clarify. Um, I have offered authored two books there, however, in higher ed, so it's a, it's a it's like a okay. course help students with right. this kind of emotional regulation. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to find it that way unless they're in colleges, they use it. They can find me. Um, I have a podcast and right. it's called How I Made It Through. Mm-hmm. Talks about challenges that people go through and how they have learned and been transformed, healed and kind of a survival guide and place of inspiration when people share right. their stories. Great. Um, they can also find me at Kristen Taylor, K-R-I-S-T-I-N taylorconsulting.com also right. find me on LinkedIn I'm not great with the social media that's a work in progress but yeah. um the places or I can be reached at coach Kristen Taylor at gmail.com great and we'll put all these things in the the show notes for people to connect and, and dive into because some of the things that we've talked about I think people will be interested in you know the link for the neuroplasticity video the the RAIN acronym from Tara Brash you know things like that we can we can help people um I like to finish off in a, a well, my sense of a little bit light. Um, and so I've got, you know, four or five quick fire questions. If you'd be happy to answer these. <laughs> I would love to. Yes. Um, so are you, you know, you live on the West coast of the U S are you more beach or mountain? Mountain. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there a life maxim you live by? Yeah. Every action in this world has its echo in the heart. Okay, I like that. Um, when you think of Sydney, Australia, what word comes to mind? Down under. <laughs> the two words. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, is there a word you, that you'd use to describe yourself? That is, uh, that, that is not a quick fire one. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just realized that. That was, that was probably oh my connection we had previously. God. Whatever I say, I'm going to regret and think I should have said this. Yeah uh heartfelt cool and uh, again maybe not a quick fire question is there a word that other people use when they describe you kind um 
What's a book that's changed your life? Oh, God, there's so many books. Um, I don't know if it's the book that has changed my life. There have been so many books. A book that I've read recently that connects to so much of what I'm sharing today is um, The Body Keeps the Score oh. by Bessel van der Kolk. Yeah. 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 What a great place to finish, Kristen, particularly when we talked about nervous system dysregulation and the body keeps the score. Uh, thank you so much, um, not just for the time, but the connection that we've had, the conversation. It's, it's, been, it's been really connecting. Um, I've, I've felt seen, heard and held. So thank you. That makes my life. I love that. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this so much and I enjoyed you so much. You have great <laughs> oh, thank you yeah 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 thanks again then Kristen